0: New AI-powered speed cameras capable of detecting phone and seatbelt use are being examined for use by the Gardaí. The technology would be installed, maintained and operated by a private company. I'm joined on the line by Shane O'Donoghue, editor of CompleteCard.ie, by Barry Scannell, senior solicitor with William Fry's Technology Group, and in studio, Liam Herrick, executive director of the Irish Council for Civil Liberties. Good morning and welcome one and all. Uh, We'll get the motorist perspective first, Shane. Good morning to you. Good morning, Pat. So, what do you think of this notion?
1: In theory, I think it's a great idea, to be honest. We, we've had many conversations about road safety in the last couple of years, and I keep on reinforcing the point that we are not getting enforcement, enough enforcement of existing traffic laws on the roads. And, you know, the accepted reason for that is that there aren't enough Gardaí or that the resources are being used elsewhere. And so, they're really, they're, anecdotally, there aren't enough Guardi on the street enforcing rules Every single day, I see it myself on the road that people are just breaking red lights without even thinking about it now. It seems to be the norm. Um, The bus lane use is on the increase for sure and mobile phone use is is just awful off the scale.
0: So, enforcement uh, using technology instead of actual guard the cars. What do you think?
1: I I would prefer to see more on the on the road, I would say. But um, I, I just don't think we're going to get enough Resources put into that. Um, I don't think the government are going to invest in that, and you know there's issues with recruitment, etc., and training. So. If that isn't going to happen, then I think this is worth investigating for sure. We certainly need something to modify the behaviour of drivers on the road right now. It's it's gone out of of touch completely. It's very
0: interesting that uh, one of the technological innovations has been the installation, first of all, in the Port Tunnel, and then is it on the road to Limerick, the motorway to Limerick, uh, you have the the speed cameras that just measure your uh, speed on average through a section of the motorway. And the, the, the... Drop in speed is quite remarkable. I mean, from 120 people, just to be sure, to be sure, are doing less than 100 uh, all the time. Now, The problem is when you reach the end of uh, the section, there's an incredible acceleration by one and all uh, to kind of make up for lost time. But uh, that kind of enforcement technology um, is shown to work.
1: Yeah, average, speed averaging cameras are really, really effective. Um, we've seen them in other countries as well. They're using the UK a lot, actually, especially when there's roadworks and they want to pe- keep people safe there. Um, and they are very effective. But again, they're a bit of a blunt instrument. They do that one job. Um, and I would have no problems with having more of those around, certainly perhaps outside schools and things like that. But um the idea here is that these uh, AI-backed cameras could do a lot more. So they could do that as well as looking for people yeah. using mobile phones, not wearing the seatbelts and you know other infringements like using bus lanes and breaking red lights. Now, one
0: presumes that these cameras would have to be deadly accurate. I mean, really high-definition cameras because you don't want to bust somebody for using a mobile phone when it was the missus, the partner, the granny, whatever.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I I don't know anything about the specs of the systems that the Guardia are considering, but there's no doubt about that. I mean, we have the technology these days for cameras to be high enough definition. But I did note uh, something mentioned about that each and every infringement would be, first of all, checked by a human. So the AI system would flag up um, a, poten- a potential incident and, you know, the photography the or the data would then be checked by somebody back at base. So it isn't just a case of letting the AI at it <laughs> Completely.
0: Yeah. And then uh, you will always have exceptions. I mean, there might be someone who's had surgery and therefore cannot wear the cross belt and is only wearing the belt around their neck. But that would not be seen through the windscreen. Um, So there'd be a lot of palaver about that, I suspect, as well. And what about someone carrying, you know, in their hand, they've got a can of Red Bull or some other uh, drink that is designed to keep them awake and uh, it is mistaken by the camera to be a phone.
1: Well, again, each and every incident is supposed to be checked by humans. So, um, and the whole, the law system, the court system isn't changing. So, with any infringement, um, you could appeal it, uh, of course. So, there there will be exceptions, but the vast majority of the time, I think, you know, it's likely it will pick up real infringements.
0: So, uh, basically, it will encourage others to obey the law once they know one or two people have been done by these vans um, for uh, mobile phone use or lack of seatbelt wear. Uh, it should encourage others to conform
1: I believe so, yes. Um, right now we're having the opposite to that where, you know, you you have spent as a commuter months and months you're in this queue of traffic and you're just seeing people flying up the bus lane, for instance, every day and not getting caught. That is going to make behaviour worse. Same thing with mobile phone use where, you know, you see people every day using mobile phones and they're not nothing's been done about it. So you get a call or you get a message, you think you think nothing of it. You look down, oh I'll pick up my phone. Nobody's nobody cares. So bad behavior is like a contagion. <laughs> (laughs) And I believe that, you know, increased enforcement would reverse that.
0: All right. uh, Thank you very much uh, for that. Shane O'Donoghue who's editor of CompleteCard.ie. Liam Herrick is with me listening to that conversation. What is your take from a civil liberties perspective? Good morning, Pat. I agree with a lot of what Shane
2: has said. Um, In theory, Technology like this can play a very useful role and road safety is a very important public policy objective. Uh, I agree that it's worth investigating. Um, I think, though, when we look at a technology of this type, and particularly what the report suggests, a quite powerful technology potentially, um, the first thing that always comes to our mind is, you know, the, the cost effectiveness of this. There's a price tag in the Irish Times story today of 100 million potentially. What? And like... 100 the, million? I think that was a figure that was used. I, I stand to be corrected on that, but um, uh, th- 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 this is a, pr- a preliminary stage of tendering. So the technology is often very expensive and sometimes the eye or indeed the policymaker's eye can be drawn to the expensive technological solution. It needs to be measured against the kind of things that Shane talked about, increased enforcement in terms of Garda presence. Uh, but the deeper question, I suppose, is that once you get into using surveillance technology of this type, Are there proper safeguards in place to make sure that if we're trying to achieve a legitimate aim, i.e. road safety and enforcement of rules like speeding and so on, um, can we, if you like, seal and protect that function away from other less desirable and illegitimate Uh, purposes, such as the tracking of people, and how do you design a system that you achieve the first without having the negative consequences of the second. And that's a complex and technical task. At the moment, there is a recording devices bill before the Oireachtas, which puts in place a legal framework around the use of CCTV by the guards, their access to third party. Of course, the the question of body-worn cameras by the guards, which we've discussed before, and we're we're told possibly facial recognition technology.
0: So that's the place where this is going to be done. But there's also your... Because, I mean, you've got to presumably show that the person that you've nabbed for not wearing a seatbelt or using a phone is in fact not your first cousin who looks very like you. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we already have in place automatic number plate recognition technology used by the guards, although there have been quite a lot of difficulties with that, and the Data Protection Commission has been quite critical of how that's been used. But it does present this additional question that you may be able to identify a car, but then there's a secondary question, of course, about who's driving the car. And uh, some of the reports today suggest that this is going to be involving AI where you can identify individuals. That brings us into the the realm of the facial recognition technology debate, which is not just a discussion for Ireland. There is European legislation being developed in this area which we have to be guided by too. So this is a long way of saying in principle this is something that can be looked at but if we want to look at it we have to go through certain stages of testing the technology and testing the safeguards and the Data Protection Commission should have a central role
0: in that yeah, process. So the, the problem is if you buy the technology I mean the actual quote from the Irish Times is the guard that said it's seeking to learn about opportunities for emerging technologies and innovation before issuing the formal request for tender the contract will last for six years and cost an estimated £100 million.
2: Yeah and it would be very. That's telling
0: the people what they need to tender. Ask, you well, know, why would you give them any clue? But anyway, that's another story.
2: It, it also would be completely inappropriate and reckless with public funds to be even starting a tendering process when the Euroktes hasn't set in place the law, and indeed the European Union won't be setting in place the law around artificial intelligence until next year. So I think sometimes we get these flags flown about the shiny technology we'd like to buy. But the guards shouldn't be doing this until the Oireachtas Mm. has set in place a legal framework so they know what will be legal and not legal. Now, uh,
0: if you're talking about the domestic driver, the domestic driver has a driving licence which has a photograph attached to it. So, facial recognition, uh, very simple for AI to hack into, not hack in, enter, quite legally, uh, the driving uh, licence database and compare the Egypt behind the wheel of the car and the licence. Well, I think there's a few
2: assumptions in that. I mean, we've got no indication from government at all yet about what type of facial recognition system it wants to put in place. Um, And we don't know what
0: database they propose to use. But if they were... Well, simply the driving licence one would be for uh, those domestically issued licences. For the trucker from Romania or Poland, uh, a different issue. Well, I mean, there are European driving licence systems, but the
2: bigger question there would be, Pat, that when people applied for their driving licence... They didn't have any expectation that this was going to be used as part of some facial recognition system. And I think the government has been very quiet on where they're going to find the database for their proposals on facial recognition technology. But as I've said before, Pat, on the programme... We're now 12 months since the government first said they wanted to use facial recognition technology and not a single word of a proposal has been put before the public, the Data Protection mm. Commissioner, the Oireachtas. So we're all in the dark about what they're thinking. And, and so there's a lot of steps that need to be taken beforehand. But going back to Shane's key point, the use of technology for road safety enforcement is absolutely essential, absolutely valuable and there's very good usage out there at the moment around speeding cameras and so on. There could very well be more. And the number plate recognition technology can be used effectively and appropriately and is used for tolls and so on already at the moment. But we do need to make sure that the safeguards are in place and we'd we'd be concerned that the bill that's before the Oireachtas at the moment uh, seems to lend more towards the guards authorising the use of this technology for surveillance rather than a court. And I think that would be a key question in terms of safeguarding.
0: Yeah. Um, I suppose facial recognition, in a sense, is, is a bit like phishing. I mean, you're, you find somebody and you try to match it with the, the database that you have. If you don't know who you're looking for by name, it's very hard to get a court to give you the nod, because you've no specific. So anyway, that, that's perhaps for another day. But I want to talk uh, about the legal aspect to uh, all of this. Barry Scannell, Senior Solicitor of the William Fry's Technology Group. Barry, good morning.
3: Good morning, Pat. How
0: Where do, do we stand done? with the law at the moment?
3: Well, at the moment, if you look at um, road traffic legislation, for example, there's a number of provisions that are there in the road traffic acts relating to, for example, speed cameras and so on, and the use of technology um, in detecting road traffic offenses. And if you look back to the 60s, when these first started coming in, they were talking about using a watch to time, the progression of a car to, to calculate the speed, and now technology advanced, now we started using photographs, and now we're using AI. So I do think there would probably need to be some sort of legislative change Brought in to deal with AI because um, yourself this morning and, and the other guests have raised really good points. Um, so, for example, if you're caught speeding in a car, um, but the number plate, the car is registered to, to say your wife, but you're driving it, um, your wife is probably going to be the one getting the ticket. Um, because there's a presumption there and it's, uh, a similar presumption might be in new legislation. Yeah. Um, so, so just
0: person. explain though, uh, Barry. You, you go to court and, and you know many of your legal colleagues will uh, work very hard to get their client off in, in a court case. So you go in, you say, it wasn't me, Gov, it was the wife. What happens then? Do they reissue the ticket on the basis of the evidence offered in court that uh, the person accused of the offence is not in fact responsible
3: yeah they might do that but you see or do they bother that, and that's that's a matter for you know the, the guardi in terms of how they want to prosecute something but, I mean, you're, you're raising the issue of what if somebody was holding, you know, a can of Red Bull? What if somebody had a big bar of dairy milk chocolate that was the shape of an iPhone? And these are all rebuttable um, aspects of evidence that you can rebut, and it is rebuttable. And a really important part of all of the considerations here is, you know, how it fits into this this concept of responsible AI, which is really massive at the, at the moment and it's something that organizations are really like scrambling to get advice on and a big element of responsible AI and implementation of AI is ensuring accountability, transparency and fairness. Mm-hmm. So for example you have to consider how were the AIs trained? Most likely the AIs are trained with hundreds, thousands of pictures of people in cars on their phones or not wearing seat belts. but for example, what if the images used had an overabundance of Subaru Imprezas, right? Then the AI might be biased to look at a car in the shape of a Subaru Impreza and might start um, unfairly just concentrating or unduly. Um, finding offences in cars that are Subarus, for example. So how the AI is trained is going to be very important. And organisations using this technology, like DeGuardi, like whichever company gets the tender, you know, you would hope that they have implemented what's called an AI impact assessment. Now, This is an extremely new concept along the lines of a data protection impact assessment when you're processing data. But as AI becomes more prevalent in technology, we really need to be hoping that companies are carrying out these AI impact assessments Looking at how the AI was trained, looking at the data mm-hmm. governance issues, looking at how the technology actually works. So, and- you
0: know, initially, um, you'd imagine that uh, some solicitor would haul in the guy who designed the algorithm to get him to testify as to the, you know, how he trained his algorithm, how he worked it out and so on. It could become quite tedious until there was a broad acceptance by one and all uh, that the that thing was kosher.
3: Yeah, you see, in this specific example, Pat, um, if you look at um, speed vans, for example, the, the manufacturers of the speed vans aren't habitually brought in to explain how it works and that it was up to scratch because we have legislative pres- presumptions built in to the road traffic legislation. So there's a presumption, for example, that the equipment was working properly. So presumably, if this technology was utilized by the guardie You would have similar legislative presumptions that Mm. the AI was working properly or working, you know, in a non-biased matter. Now, what about what else
0: um, the cameras might see? I mean, to be able to identify someone holding a mobile phone as distinct from a sunglasses case or a bar of Cadbury's, um, the cameras have got to be high definition. Therefore, they will see more than the driver because they've got to see the, the number plate as well, one presumes, or maybe there'll be two cameras, you, you know, one aimed at the number plate level and the other aimed at the uh, the windscreen um, and they've got to talk to each other in some way. But if they're high definition cameras in order to identify someone facially, they might see other stuff in the car, which is none of their business.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like you might want to stop picking your nose when you're driving uh, when, when this technology comes in. But I think, you know, a lot of the, we're making a lot of presumptions about how the technology works, but you know the core of what you're getting at, really, I think, is in relation to um, data protection. Now, the way speed cameras work generally, my understanding is that there's a trigger that if you're over a speed, that it triggers the camera. But to be able to monitor for mobile phone use, presumably the cameras would need a constant monitoring to be able to capture. Yeah, They'd be doing every like car. This. Exactly. Now, then you're getting into the realm of data protection and issues like data minimization and, and only holding on to um, the data for as long as you require. So, for example, if the AI sees a car and there's nothing wrong with the car, um, it's most likely not going to, one would hope, uh, not save that image or not record that image. And that's just gone. It's, it's a fleeting image. Now, then you're getting into the realm of, well, what's the guardies legal basis for doing this and you know the guardy do have um, a lawful basis for carrying out that type of processing because um it's in the public interest and they're executing a lawful authority so with data protection as with most pieces of legislation that's come to dealing with fundamental rights it's about a balancing act so if an ai camera designed for road safety catches you for a fleeting second as your car drives by um is there a massive risk for harm there no presumably and hopefully if there's proper safeguards in place again going back to responsible ai um, and the balancing act can be carried out then
0: Mm. all right barry it's fascinating final uh, remarks from you liam yeah, I think Barry said it out very well there about that balance. Uh, I mean, the balance,
2: I suppose, can be illustrated that, you know, where the, where the problems and the risks that we're afraid of here, I suppose, is first of all that when you have this amount of personal information being gathered, that there might be inappropriate access. So people that have nothing to do with road safety enforcement might start looking at information and that it could be a disproportionate amount of information. As you say, it's not just about your number plate, but it might be who's in the car with you, where you're going, uh, and and what 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 your behaviour is. Uh and we have been down this road before Ireland has been severely criticised by the European courts for putting in place systems of blanket surveillance without adequate safeguards we saw this in cases when telecommunications for example this was an in, an issue that came up in the Graham Dwyer case recently so we don't have a good track record we shouldn't be afraid of this technology it can be very very useful but we
0: need to go carefully through the appropriate processes right. Thank you very much uh, to all of you uh, first of all we heard from Shane O'Donoghue editor of CompleteCard.ie. Uh, Barry Scannell, senior solicitor with William Fry's Technology Group, and in studio with me, Liam Herrick, executive director of the Irish Council for Civil Liberties.
3: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva
1: Insurance, weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.